Wow. Still can't believe it. When I think about it from God's point of view, just amazing. That God would love a sinner such as I. How wonderful is love like this. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. That we, we should be called the sons of God. You know, there's, you read through the Bible and there's different parties that are called the sons of God. The angels are called the sons of God. And, uh, and the, the nation of Israel is called the sons of, sons of God. And of course, Jesus, son of God. But us, we're Gentiles. We're outside of the promises. We're outside of the covenant. We, we, listen, we were aliens, the Bible calls us. So as we are, we're, we're aliens. That we should be called the sons of God. Wow. What a great God we serve. I'm so glad to be saved. And I'm so glad that it is well with my soul. If the trumpet sounds tonight, praise God. If I drop dead tonight, praise God. I didn't get as many amens right there. Maybe you're trying to be kind to me. Amen. But I know where I'm going. I'm not. There's not one doubt in my mind. This, this life ends, and uh, if this world ends, I know where I'm headed. And uh, I'm so thankful for that. And it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Him. I didn't do one thing to earn it. Uh, and I, I thank the Lord that, you know, if, if you didn't do anything to earn it, how are you going to lose it? Amen. And, uh, I mean, I'm enjoying salvation, but the salvation is of the Lord. And I get to partake in it, but, but the work's all His, amen? And, um, and I'm so glad, I'm so glad that I'm saved. Well, um, I was really uh, praying, and even this afternoon, still struggling with what the Lord would have me to preach this week. And this morning was kind of a, Kind of a uh, come to Jesus, amen, a meeting for us. So we can get things right, get things out of the way, and, uh, and really try to get in a place where we can hear from the Lord. And I believe the Lord's directed me to the book of Leviticus. And so I'd ask you to turn there with me, if you will, the book of Leviticus. And I'm thankful for every word in this book. Uh, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And um, I do preach from the New Testament occasionally. Amen? I did this morning. But I really love preaching from the Old Testament. I like the types and the, and the pictures, the shadows of uh, the foreshadowing of, of Christ. It helps me to understand the New Testament. And that's the way, you know, it's supposed to be. God, God gave the New Testament to shed light on the Old Testament. But, you know, the Old Testament sheds light on the New Testament, too. It's all one book. It's all one book. And it's all profitable. And, um, and, and I understand when we say, well, we're not under the law. Thank God we're not. We're freed from the law. But I, I don't want us to think, because we're not under the law, that the law is bad because the New Testament tells us that the law is good and holy and just. And, um, and, and the New Testament says his commandments are not grievous. And so there's a lot to be learned and there's a lot to love about the law. And so I want us to look at the book of Leviticus in these days and, um, and as we do, we're just praying that God will speak to us and help us to, to understand and to appreciate and to live in the truths that we learn. Amen? Leviticus chapter 1, stand with me if you're able. We're going to read the first nine verses of Leviticus chapter 1. Thank you for praying for us and thank you for your support of us and our ministry. 
I've had uh, two people today come to me and say, Brother Thren, I pray for you every day. And that means the world to me. I really appreciate that. And, um, and so thank you for praying for us. And thank you for praying for my health in these days. I feel like I'm getting stronger, and, uh, but I'm not sure my voice is getting stronger. And so I'm feeling better. Just pray that the voice will hold up. I would appreciate the prayers. It's hard to not sing these songs. We're down here singing congregational songs. Brother Caleb's up here. I mean, he's, he's waving his arms like he's about to take flight. And, and these songs, they just, they just draw praise right out of you. And so I'm singing away, and then I remember, oh, I've got to preach tonight. Got to save the voice. And then, then we hit the next line. Ah! Oh, i got to stop it. So you pray for me to, that the, the old vocal cords will hold up. Amen? They're getting doctored, but the best medicine is prayer. Leviticus chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, And the Lord called unto Moses, and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd, and of the flock. And if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering. And it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord. And the priest, Aaron's son, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into his pieces. And the sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. And the priest, Aaron's son, shall lay the parts, the head, and the fat in order upon the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar. But his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Let's pray, and I want us to look at the book of Leviticus and kind of get an idea where we're, where we're at in Leviticus chapter 1. So let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you for grace and strength. Thank you, Lord, for the good reminders tonight of your great love toward us, that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, thank you for uh, just the, uh, the word of God. Thank you for the truths that you've preserved for us. Lord, many things have been written down through the ages. Uh, many words have been memorialized. But Lord, what you've put in this book and what you've preserved for us in this book is eternal and Father, it can do eternal work in our hearts. And so God, that's what we're looking for tonight. We're not looking for a, a band-aid. We're not looking for a, uh, just a distraction or we're not looking for a topical treatment. We're looking for something that will affect us eternally. And so God, we know that your word is powerful. It's quick and uh, it can cut right down uh, to, the, to the heart of the matter. And uh, Father, I pray that you would help us tonight as we look in your word. Lord, I pray that we'd be engaged. And Lord, uh, we may be laying a little groundwork here tonight, but God, help us not to check out. It may not be as dynamic as what we would want it to be, but Lord, help us to stay focused upon your word. Lord, that you might guide us into the truth that we need tonight. Holy Spirit, we look to you. We depend upon your guidance, Lord. And Father, we know that, that you will, by your spirit, guide us. Lord, help us to be attentive, help us to be sensitive uh, to you and to your leading tonight. May Jesus Christ be magnified. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The book of Leviticus is, uh, of course, part of the law. And it deals with uh, much of the responsibilities of the tribe of Levi. God chose the tribe of Levi 
of the nation of Israel to serve in the, uh, in the tabernacle and in the work of the ministry, we would say. And, uh, and so the book of Leviticus kind of uh, outlines uh, many of the, of the uh, laws, many of the uh, offerings, and the priesthood itself. And really those are the three main topics in the book of Leviticus. You have the offerings. It starts with the offerings as we began reading tonight. And then it deals with the priesthood. And then uh, it goes into various laws uh, regarding the people of Israel. Now, one thing that I want us to understand is that the people of Israel were given these laws after they were delivered from Egyptian bondage. And so these laws were given to the nation to guide them in their life in the promised land. And uh, listen, what, what do you, you say, what, what, what's the point you're making? The Lord has laws for us even after we're saved. And, um, and the laws were not, they were not written to make Israel's life uh, uh, hard or to make it miserable. God's law was given as a blessing for the people of God. Now, when you, when you don't have law, you're left with anarchy and chaos. And all you have to do is look just a few books over the book of Judges, where every man did that which was right in his own eyes, and you'll see what a mess it is without the law. And so God gave this law to be a blessing to the people of God. And uh, the book of Leviticus, uh, though we may... We may, when we come to Leviticus, we may just kind of put our head down and plow through and say, boy, i got to get through this in my Bible reading. But you know, there are great riches in this book and uh, tremendous help to, to my life uh, as I've been studying it this year in particular. And so <clears throat> when we look at the book of Leviticus, we have these three divisions. We have, we have the, the offerings, we have the priesthood, and we have the laws. And, uh, and, and God gave them for a specific purpose. And you say, well, they, he gave them that purpose so he could control their lives. That is not the purpose of why God gave the law. Well, uh, well what, what, did he, what did he give that purpose for? Or what, what, to what purpose was the law given? Well, that's what we're going to examine this week. And um, we start in the book of Leviticus with a call. In verse number 1, it says, The Lord called unto Moses. And I want us, when we look at the book of Leviticus, I want us to understand the Lord is calling. He's calling. Well, what is this call? Well, as we've, as we've already noted, they've been delivered from Egypt. They're not in Egypt anymore. That's a picture of salvation. The, the, the blood was applied. They were delivered from Egyptian bondage. And so they were redeemed from Egypt. So they're already saved. And so the, the call in Leviticus is not a call to salvation. You say, what is it? Leviticus is a call to fellowship. And I want us to look at Le the book of Leviticus from this standpoint, from this viewpoint this week. It's a call to fellowship. The Lord is calling unto Moses. And it, it, the, the word call means to summon. It is to request to meet. It's to, it's to draw someone from where they are to where the caller is. And so the, the Lord is calling unto Moses. Now, you have the phrase the Lord spake unto Moses over 70 times in the law. The Lord spake unto Moses. He spake unto Moses. It's over and over and over and over again. But this phrase, the Lord called unto Moses, is only found four times. It's only four times in the Bible. Now let's look at them quickly. Look at uh, Exodus chapter 3. We'll look at the first call that God calls unto Moses. Now if this feels like a Sunday school lesson, it's still Sunday. Amen? But, but we're going to get some truth here that I believe will help us. Exodus chapter 3, verse number 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, 
And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. This is, we know, the calling of Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so the first call in Moses' life is, is this call at the burning bush. God is calling Moses to a specific purpose. And he says, I want you to leave where you are and come to where I am. And this is the idea when we think about, when we think about fellowship, this is the idea I want us to have in our minds. If we want a fellowship with God, we need to leave where we are and get to where he is. He calls Moses, and he said, I've got a job for you. And, and so this is at the burning bush. And then you fast forward to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. In verse number 1, it says, In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and tell the nation of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. The second time God calls to Moses, he's calling him up to the mount. And he, and he calls him with this, with this uh, idea, there's a covenant I want to extend to the people of Israel. And if they will receive my covenant and abide by my covenant, they will become a peculiar treasure unto me. I want you to think about that. The Lord is calling Moses, and he's calling really the nation. He said, I want you to come to me because I treasure you. When we think about fellowship, I want us to remember that you are a treasure in God's eyes. He treasures the time that you spend with Him. It thrills His heart for you to fellowship with Him. You say, why is that? That's what God has wanted all along. He wants your fellowship. You say, how do you know that? Well, I just go all the way back to where it all started. When God created the heaven and the earth, and God created man, and he walked with man in the cool of the evening, in the garden. You, you want to see what God's paradise would look like? It looks like fellowship between him and his creation. That's what thrills his heart. So I just want to please God. So I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this. And listen, there, I understand what you're saying, but... The, the greatest thing that pleases the heart of God is for you to be in fellowship with Him. Now, so he, he gives this call to Moses, and he said, I, I want you to come, and I, and I want you to come to where I am, and if you'll obey my voice and keep my covenant, you'll be a peculiar treasure unto me. Now, you say, why would they be peculiar? Because not many will keep His covenant. Not many are willing to, to walk according to the will of God and not the will of man. So there's the second call. And then in chapter 24, chapter 24, look at it with me, if you will. Chapter 24, verse 1, he said, 
And he said unto Moses, Come up unto me unto the Lord, or come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off, and Moses alone shall come near the Lord. But they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. Now look at verse 15. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount, and the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went in the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount, and Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. This is where the Lord will write down his law and give his law. And, and listen, this, this law that he gave to Israel, he did not force them to accept. I want you to, 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 to have that in your mind and understand that. When we think of the law, I think many times we think the law was something that the Lord forced upon the children of Israel. He said, you're going to live this way and, uh, and you have no say in the matter. That's not what happened at all. The Lord offered His covenant to the people, and the people willingly accepted that covenant. They said, all that the Lord saith unto us, we will do. That's what they said. And so the Lord now is putting it in writing. He has given it to them verbally. And if you study the Word of God carefully, you'll know that when the Lord is up talking to Moses the first time up in the mount, and He's talking with Moses, that the people were supposed to be listening. God spoke in a way that the people could hear as well. However, instead of listening to the command of God, they were down there partying. Ever wonder why? There's so much noise in the world. So they're, they're the devil's distractions to keep you from hearing the voice of God. And so now the Lord, uh, he, he's given it to them verbally. Now he gives it to them uh, uh, written, the written law he gives to them. And he did so when the Lord called Moses to that place. You know, I believe that the Lord is calling his people to the written word of God. Can I just say something? If you're not reading the Word of God, you cannot be in fellowship with God. You've got to be in the book. And so the Lord, He calls Moses the first time to a personal calling on His life to lead out the children of Israel, a picture of redemption. Then He calls them uh, to Mount Sinai, and uh, to, to, to tell them, listen, if you'll obey my voice, then you'll, you'll be a peculiar treasure to me. Then he calls them to the word of God and gives them the law of God. And now we find, in Leviticus chapter 1, we find the Lord calling unto Moses. And I believe as we study the book of Leviticus, we'll see that he's calling him to fellowship. Now, I want you to look at, at Leviticus 1 and verse 1 again because there's an important phrase here, an important word. And we know they're all important, but in Leviticus 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation. So when the Lord is calling Moses, the Lord is in the tabernacle, but Moses is not in the tabernacle. So the Lord is speaking from the tabernacle out to where Moses is. That's why he's calling. You say, what? Well, what, what, what's the picture here? What do we see here? Well, look at Exodus chapter 29. And please stay with me. We're laying some groundwork here. It's going to be important. In Exodus 29, you say, what is, the, what is the purpose even of the tabernacle? Why did the Lord give the tabernacle? What, what goal did the Lord have with the tabernacle? You say, well, they needed a place to sacrifice, and that's true. 
and they, they needed a place to apply the blood, and that's true. And they needed a place for the priest to serve, and that's true. But what was the goal? Why did God give the tabernacle? Look at Exodus 29. Look at verse 42. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you. Did you catch that? He said, the tabernacle is where I'll meet you. To speak there unto thee. He's talking to Moses here. Look at verse 43. And there I will meet with the children of Israel. So he said, this tabernacle is the place that I'm going to meet with you. So what does that tell us about the tabernacle? God, God needed the tabernacle so he could fellowship with his people. Look at these words down through here. He talks about meeting with them, speaking to them. The end of verse, uh, or look at verse 44. I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. I will also sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. It's a place where sancti uh, sanctification takes place. Look at verse 45. I will dwell among the children of Israel. He's not just wanting to meet there. He's wanting to live there. And he doesn't want just God's people just to meet him there. He wants their lives to revolve around that place. If you study out the camp of Israel, when they're in the wilderness, you know what's right in the center of the camp. They got tribes here, they got tribes over here, they got tribes over here, they got tribes over here, and right in the center is what? The tabernacle. Over top of the tabernacle, there is a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, representing the presence of God. All these pictures are so that the people know they are not in the wilderness on their own. They're not out there by themselves. God is there. And all of these things are, are, are pictures and manifestations of his presence. Well, why is God there with them? Because they need his leadership? Well, they do need his leadership. But the reason why God's there is to meet with them, is to dwell among them, is to speak to them, is to enjoy fellowship with them. And, 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 and you read it here in Exodus 29. He said, I want to dwell among them, verse 45, and will be their God. Look at verse 46. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Know what he said? I'm giving you this tabernacle so you can meet with me, you can speak with me, I'll sanctify you there, I'll dwell there. And then he uses that word, know. You know what he's saying? I want you to know me. I want you to know the Lord your God. Now, we know what the Lord does, and we know what the Lord can do, but I wonder how many of us really know Him. When, when I got married, I thought I, I knew Rachel. I did. thought I knew her pretty well. You know what? Next, uh, let's see, December, December, it'll be 25 years of marriage. I know her a lot better now than I did then. I knew a lot about her, but I know her much better than I did then. And you know, the Lord, we are the bride of Christ, is that right? The Lord not only, he doesn't want us to just know about him, he wants us to know him. To know his heart, to know his voice, 
to know Him in sweet communion in the Word of God. This is what God wanted for the people of Israel. And this is what God wants for the church. Because this is what God has wanted all along. He wants His people to know Him. And this call to fellowship, he mentions in verse 43. Look what he says about the tabernacle. He says, the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. That's a direct promise. And I want you to see the fulfillment of that promise in Exodus chapter 40. Because it's going to lead us to the answer of why God is in the tabernacle in Leviticus chapter 1 and Moses isn't. Why God is calling Moses to the tabernacle. But Moses is not in the tabernacle. Why is that? Well, the Lord said, I'm going to sanctify that tabernacle by my glory. In Exodus chapter 40, please stay with me. In Exodus chapter 40, God has given them the instructions concerning the tabernacle all through uh, the book of the latter part of, of Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 40, it says this in verse 16, Thus did Moses, according to all that the Lord commanded him, so did he. That means, in reference to this tabernacle, he has done exactly what God told him to do in setting up this tabernacle. He's followed the instructions. Now watch what happens in verse number 33 of Exodus 40. He reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate so Moses finished the work. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now look at verse 35. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because... The cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This is the fulfillment of the promise in Exodus 29, where he said, I'm going to sanctify that tabernacle with, by my glory. Now, when the Lord fills that tabernacle, the Bible tells us that Moses is not able to enter in. So it indicates to us that Moses wanted to enter in. But he was not able to. Why is that? He was redeemed. Is that right? He was redeemed. So why was he not able to enter into that tabernacle? Well, it, it, it must be that the Lord had some conditions for fellowship. And Leviticus is going to outline for us the conditions of fellowship. Now, we, we've, we've been so influenced by this modern church movement that, number one, Jesus will just accept you any way that you are. Now, listen, that sounds right on the surface, but it's wrong. You cannot come to Him your way. You've got to come to Him His way. And we, we've, we've, we've been influenced to think that God is just lucky to have us. That He's just blessed. That, that we would give Him, that we would give Him a Sunday morning. Wow. We are so good to God. And here we are on Sunday evening. Wow, God really got something when He got us. That's the modern idea of Christianity. But the Bible idea of Christianity is God has a standard. And you don't come to God any way that you want to. You come to God His way. In salvation and in sanctification. You've got to come to God His way. If you want to be in fellowship with God, there are things that have to be taking place in your life. 
Now, God wants to have fellowship with you more than you want to have fellowship with Him. But fellowship has to be according to God's will and God's way. He's the one who sets the parameters on fellowship. And so he's calling Moses. He wants Moses in the tabernacle, but Moses can't come in. And you say, why is that? Well, all through the book of Leviticus, what we're going to see is we're going to see that God is a holy God. This is the key word in the book of Leviticus. He is holy. That means he is completely pure. The, I, I was looking at this word holy, and it is really, it's really, uh, it, 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 it's a big topic, but one of the definitions just made it very clear to me. It means to be whole, W-H-O-L-E. That is, there is no missing parts. There is nothing lacking. There, there is nothing absent when it comes to God. He is holy. And so he's holy. Here's Moses, the man of God, the meekest man who's ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. And not, all, not, not even he can get in the tabernacle right now. What's going on? God wants fellowship, and Moses wants to fellowship, but the Lord is calling to Moses from the tabernacle, and, and Moses is on the outside. And so, but, but, but the Lord's calling him. The Lord wants that fellowship. Now, look with me in, in Numbers chapter 1. Look in Numbers chapter 1. The Lord is calling to Moses from the tabernacle. And he's calling to him because he wants fellowship with him. Now look at Numbers chapter 1. Look at verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, not called, spake. Spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. What's that next word? In the tabernacle. So in, in Leviticus 1, you've got God in the tabernacle and Moses outside of the tabernacle. In Numbers 1, you have God in the tabernacle and you have Moses in the tabernacle. Leviticus shows us the way in. Leviticus shows us that we can be in fellowship with God in the place that he's designed, in the way that he's designed, he wants to have that fellowship with us. And the book of Leviticus lays it out for us. And so when we look at this book, maybe before we've just looked at laws, well, you can't do this, and they couldn't do that, and they had to, had to refrain from that, and they couldn't eat that, and they couldn't wear that. And you think it's all about the law. It's not about the laws. It's about fellowship. You say, well, well how, how do you know that? Well, let, let me show you something here in the book of Leviticus and outside of the book of Leviticus. I want to show you something. When we look at Leviticus, we look at all these offerings, we look at the priesthood, there's rules for all of these things. We look at the laws, there's rules for all of these things that God, God will accept this, he won't accept that. I want us to think about this. These, these rules, these laws that were given to them, they were requirements, but they were not what God wanted. I want you to think about that statement. God required them, but that's not what God really wanted. Say, so what do you mean? Well, look at, look at Psalm 51. Let's go there. Psalm 51. If you don't get anything else, I hope you get this tonight. Look at Psalm 51. We know this psalm. It's, it's the psalm 
of David's confession after he sinned. David has sinned grievously against the Lord. He's committed adultery. And he's followed that up with murder. Even though his hand did not perform it, his order did. And in Psalm 51, look at, the, look at the introduction here. It says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he'd gone into Bathsheba. So this is the setting. And the Lord confronts David with his sin. And now David is getting right with God. And by the way, let me say this. I've heard, I've heard it said before that if you don't confess your sin before you get caught, then you probably haven't repented. Well, that sounds real good, but it's not in the Bible. Amen. Don't beat yourself up all your life because you didn't come clean when you should have. And it took God's judgment to bring you back to where you are. Maybe that'll help somebody. Because David, he got right after Nathan pointed the finger in his face and said, Thou art the man. Then he got right with God. But I want us to look at this. Look at Psalm 51. And look at, uh, look at verse number uh, 10. We'll start in 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. That's an important phrase. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt, burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. David says under inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Thou desirest not sacrifice. Now he required it. Is that right? You sin against God. I mean, the whole law is filled with it. You sin against God. There are different sacrifices that are required, but not desired. Does that make sense? What I'm saying is, yeah, there's requirements, but it's not the requirements that God's looking for. It's not even the fulfilling of those requirements. That's not his end goal. What he wants is he wants a broken and a contrite heart. What he wants is your heart. He said, well, I'm doing this for God, and I'm doing this for God. And I'm doing this for God. That's all well and good. And God appreciates that. But that's not really what God's looking for. He's looking for your heart. And Leviticus, well, we think, well, that's the law. Man, I, I'm glad we're not under the law. I'm glad we don't have to do all that stuff. Man, I, I'm glad, man, God wanted all that stuff from them. He required that, but he desired something Totally different. He desired their heart. You say, why is that? Because that's where fellowship happens. It's not in the outward stuff. It's not, listen, it's not even in ministry stuff. 
It's not in preaching. It's not in singing. It's in communion with God. It's in fellowship with the Lord. It's not doing. It's being. And Leviticus, a book that we look at as as hard and and we look at all these requirements and we look at all this all these things that they had to do you know, you know what there's a whole group of i guess they're believers i don't know that's between them and god but they have left behind holiness and sanctification because they feel like those things keep them away from God instead of being a vehicle to bring them to God. They've looked at, they've looked at the law, Old Testament or new, doesn't matter, as something that's hard and grievous and overbearing. And so we're going we're gonna to get clear of those things and we're just going to love Jesus. You know what Jesus said? If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Listen, if you really love God, the commandments are not grievous. They're not hard. They're not overbearing. See, what we've missed is we've missed the heart of God in all of this. We think that God desires the rules to be kept. Now, God requires that, but He desires the heart. That's what He desires. You know why David was a man after God's own heart? Because he saw what God desired. Was he perfect? Not by a long shot. Did he keep every one of the laws? No way. He broke some biggies. But you know what he also realized? God's not after the stuff I can give him. God is after my heart. And so I'm going to be after his heart. And it was a heart communion. It was a heart relationship. It was fellowship that God desired. And he still desires today. God is more interested. When we, when we bring something to God, we have an offering to bring to God. And listen, you know, we're, we're not going to get into all the nuts and bolts of we're not on the lawn. We don't have to bring the sacrifices and the offerings. These are pictures. They're types for us. We have offerings we bring to God still may not be an animal. He doesn't require that anymore. But we do have sacrifices that we bring to God. Sacrifice of praise, fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name, uh, giving. All the, we have sacrifices. But that, though He requires that for fellowship, He desires something greater. Should we tithe? Should we give to missions? Should we be faithful to church? Should we read our Bibles? Should we have a prayer list? Should we witness? Absolutely. All of those things we should be involved in. But instead of those being the basis of our fellowship with God, how about our heart being in fellowship with God being the basis of our service? Service is not the basis of our walk with God. Fellowship is the basis of our walk with God. And if our fellowship with God is correct, our service will be correct. You say, well, this seems like an odd revival service message. Well, maybe it is, but I believe that we'll have revival. We could see a great revival if we get back in fellowship with God. Because too many of us, we've made it all about the things the outward things. And even in Leviticus, it wasn't about the outward things. 
even in the law. It was never about the things. It was about fellowship. And God, in that tabernacle, calling to Moses. Hey, Moses, I want you in here. I want you in here. Lord, I I, want to get in there. What do I got to do to get in there? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you the book of Leviticus, and you can see what it takes to get in fellowship with me. And by God's grace, that's what we're going to look at in the next few nights. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for that call. And Lord, tonight I pray that that call would be heard, that we would desire to be in fellowship with you. Thank you, God, for showing us the example of Moses and the children of Israel, that we can be in fellowship with you, that you've made a way, you've redeemed us, and you've laid out the groundwork of how we can walk with you, how we can fellowship with you. Dear God, anyone who has fellowship with you at all, they know the blessedness of walking with you, of hearing your voice, of enjoying communion where they know it's the voice of God speaking to their heart. Lord, it's so easy for us to just base our relationship to you on what we can do, the things that we bring, and faithfulness to the laws that you've given us. But God, I pray that you'd help us to see that those are just tokens, ways that we can show you and show others that we love you and that we want to walk with you and that we're committed to you, not just committed to the laws. Lord, thank you for your word. I'm thankful, Lord, that it's profitable. Thousands of years down the road, we still read your word, and your word still ministers to our heart. And you have something to say to us from this precious book of the Bible. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes that we may see wondrous things out of thy law. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.